Welcome to the Best Player Wins Podcast, where we believe that winning is winning, no matter by how little or by how much. We are your hosts. I am Nate Endries. I am Eddie Quinones. And JC. Hey, and JC's welcome here. To, welcome to the episode. Thanks, guys, for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, you're the first guest we've had on in a while. First guest that Eddie and I, t- like together this season, I think, have had. Yeah. I know Eddie had a few that filled in for me, of course, while I was out, but... So we got a little special edition. We got a little mm. special edition. Um, but this is the 13th episode of the 2021 season. Uh, of course, we're looking ahead to week 13, looking back at week 12. Overall, this is our 24th episode of the Fantasy Football Podcast. So next week's episode is going to be our 25th episode. Kind of crazy that we've already made, well, we're going to have made 25 of these, but... Yeah. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun, but let's go ahead and jump in to the prior week recap, looking back at week 12. JC, why don't you lead us off and tell us who you had for biggest upset? Uh, for biggest upset, I, I had myself with Kyron. Listen, I have no idea what happened. My team just decided not to show up that week against um, somebody that I should have won against. And honestly, uh, I was getting ready to throw on a jersey myself and just go out there and throw the ball. <laughs> yeah, Eddie, you want to jump in? Yeah, I mean, that's. I think this is probably one of the more obvious choices. Not a huge surprise, as Kyron's team has actually been doing like really well over the past few weeks. Uh, but like the biggest surprise to me here was the fact that he actually didn't score very many points, scored like 118 points. Uh, and then JC, I think your biggest upset was literally just your team playing that bad um, and only putting up like 112. So, yeah, I had Kyron over JC as the biggest upset. I think that was uh, – I spoke about it last week, and I said that'd be great, and I said Kyron has a chance. I didn't think he'd actually do it, but it, ha- it happened. So, Yeah, JC, I saw you share on Facebook – uh, so not necessarily related to your fantasy team, but it said something like, yo, if you got a Steelers jersey, be at practice Tuesday at 10. <laughs> that's exactly how I was feeling. That's how, your, that's how your fantasy team was. Yo, if you got a jersey, be, <laughs> be at practice this upcoming week. I had the same pick for biggest upset. Not a surprise. This is a team that's locked versus at the time, it was the number three team in the league. Um, this one was kind of a toilet bowl. It was the obvious choice for biggest upset. Two interesting notes. While we've been picking on Sean and Lucas as big fallers in the standings, actually JC and Damon have fallen the most recently with Damon falling from fifth place to ninth place yeah. and JC falling from second to fourth over the past two weeks. So that's interesting. And then on the other hand, Kyron, he's gone seven and one since his team was officially locked. So... Yeah, <laughs> not totally unforeseen, like Eddie mentioned, for him to get the upset here. But I think we both picked JC to win last week. So, yeah, interesting. Biggest takeaway: I'll lead us off. Um, we are all the way in week thirteen, one week removed from the final week of the regular season, but things are far from being set in stone. You may think I'm referring to the standings, which certainly is part of it, but even individual rosters themselves are not set in stone with the deadline being tomorrow night. We're recording, of course, on Wednesday night. Um, So Thursday headed into Friday. It's technically Friday is the deadline, but it's 3 a.m., so it's really like Thursday night overnight, right? Just this past week, as we'll discuss in a second here, there were quite a few trades, and most of them were not small. 
So the landscape of both playoff seating and how talented everyone's individual roster looks still kind of hangs in the balance until tomorrow on the roster front and until next week, again, week 14, which is our final week of the regular season. Um, and that, that kind of settles the playoff picture front. So that's my biggest takeaway. Nothing is set in stone yet. How about you, JC? I had that, uh, you, Nate, you, you came to play and, uh, I know you're, you're excited for the, uh, the ratings every week. Cause you know that almost every week you've been going up and uh, I think it, things are very close with the top three and for those in the playoff hunt and in the playoff hunt. And I think uh, that was the most interesting part to me on the biggest takeaway that anybody has the ability, I believe in this moment, to be any top three team. And that's not yeah. myself. That's Nick, Jake, and even Sean. Yeah. I actually agree with that. That's actually something that I was kind of leaning towards. Uh, in the past, I'd said, you know, the top teams are starting to separate themselves a little bit. Um, but just with recent performances and how those teams have actually have been performing over the past couple, the past few weeks, uh, it's actually been a little bit closer than than I would have anticipated. I would have expected the top two, three teams to really separate themselves a, a drastic bit. Uh, but as of recently, it, it really hasn't done that as much as I, I would have thought. So, you know, these teams in fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh place have a chance of beating one of those top three teams. So I agree there, JC. That's a good segue into we're actually going to do both this week. It'll be a nice transition into kind of putting a hard stop to top three standings update and segueing into making our playoff hunt a fixture here for the last couple of weeks. So the top three standings, one is still Scott, the Thundercats. He has an 18 and six record, even after taking the 0 and two loss this past week. Second place is my team, Otis and the Bell Cows at 17 and seven, right behind him. Um, I was the one that gave Scott that 0 and two loss and I went two and 0. So Kind of brought myself one step closer to potentially taking the one seed. We'll see how that plays out. Scotty Third, had to dig that knife in there for a quick second, huh? I did have to dig the knife in there. <laughs> Third place, we have somebody new in the top three. I'm not sure if he's been in the top three all season, but Kevin, Randy Marsh with a 14-10 yeah. and 10 record, barely edging JC out in total points four. I think it's by less than 100. I, I might be wrong about that. But he has the same record as JC, but more points scored. So Kevin now moves into third place with that 14 and 10 record. And then our playoff hunt. I kind of listed the, the teams in fourth through seventh place here, but I could have just as easily went all the way through ninth place. And I'll list those guys off as well. But fourth place, we have JC, Scooby and the gang with a 14 and 10 record, like I just mentioned. Fifth place, we have Nick kind of rising from the dead this past month now asserting himself as an above 500 team and not even really hanging in the periphery of that 6th, 7th, 8th place uh, kind of area. He's in 5th place now, Auto Rocket, with a 13-11 and 11 record. And then you have the teams that are fighting for the last playoff spot. Jake, Penguins of Madagascar, with a 12-12 and 12 record. 7th place, Sean, the Football Heads, with a 12-12 and 12 record. And I said I'd mention these guys, even though I didn't list them here. Eighth place is currently Mike with an 11 and 13 record, and ninth place is Damon right behind him, the Rickest Rick with an 11 and 13 record. So, from fifth to ninth place, there could be any changing of hands due yeah. to us playing two matchups per week. You know, Damon could go two and zero this week as the ninth place 11 and 13 team, and be 13 and 13. And Nick, the fifth place team, four spots ahead of him, could go 0 and 2 as a 13 and 11 team and drop to 500 
And then you have your fifth currently and your ninth currently placed teams tied in record next week. So that is how close this playoff hunt is, as we're going into the last two weeks of the regular season. I will say this, uh, JC's not even safe. Neither is Kevin. Obviously I don't think either of them are going to probably lose this upcoming week. My team's in shambles. So I expect JC to win. Um, but crazier things have happened, aka last week. So, uh, well, we'll see. Uh, they're still even kind of in that hunt right there because at fourteen and ten, they're still really not safe. They're only two games behind uh, from falling behind and back into that fourth, fifth, even seventh place. Currently at twelve and twelve. If let's say Sean and Jake both win two and zero, oh, um, or kind of get two games ahead of Kevin or JC by the end of the season, which is these upcoming two weeks. Um, they can kind of catapult in there. So it'll be close. Yeah, definitely interesting. Let's talk about trades. There's been a lot of them since last week's episode. A lot of really big ones, like I mentioned a little bit earlier. First one of the week was Nick trading Ryan Tannehill, Cole Beasley, and Kenyon Drake, and then Mike giving up in return Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick. I'll lead off here with my initial thoughts. First, uh, obviously people saw that I vetoed this trade and then upheld one part of it after they re-executed it and then just didn't uphold the other one but let it kind of process on a normal timeline and not process until after the week was over a little bit further explanation on that in case you didn't get a chance to read the chat basically cole beasley and Kenyon drake both had games on thanksgiving and these two guys nick and mike it was a mental mistake on both of their parts but i you know, try to give some grace at least once a season if it was an honest mistake and the intentions were clearly there on both sides. Um, they were intending to have these guys for their Thanksgiving Day lineups, a.k.a. their Week 12 lineups, and they would have executed this as two separate trades had they been paying attention to the timing of that. Both of them came to me, told me that, so I was fine just canceling the trade and, and redoing it essentially so that they could get the players that they wanted to use this week into their lineups, but then let the players who were involved in the Thanksgiving trade or Thanksgiving Day games process as a normal trade that wouldn't go through until after Week 12. So that's a little bit of the explanation there. Um, as far as my thoughts on the trade, I thought that this was fine. I know Mike's QB situation hasn't been solid all year, so Ryan Tannehill, I guess, is kind of a shot in the dark, even though he's on bye this week. Cole Beasley has been okay, and then Kenyon Drake is an important handcuff to Josh Jacobs, which Mike has. I mentioned couple weeks ago that I knew Nick was going to trade Kenyon Drake to Mike before the trade deadline finally happened. And then I'm not the biggest Washington backfield guy, but I think that Nick certainly got a running back upgrade in return here. I'll give the floor to you guys. Eddie, what do you think about this trade? I agree. I think you nailed it right on the head. Um, again, I traded away Antonio Gibson and JD McKissick just because I'm just not a big fan of the dynamic in that backfield. Um, Gibson seems like he gets hurt way too often. So I, I'm just not really sure how I like it, but I do agree that either one of Antonio Gibson or JD McKissick is a little bit of an upgrade from Kenyon Drake. So uh, kind of a good acquisition there. And he gets the handcuffed, the handcuff running back right behind Gibson. Um, and then Tannehill, like you said, he's on bye week this week. So it's, it's a semi quarterback upgrade, but yeah, I, I didn't really think too much of it. I just kind of thought it was kind of like, yeah, JC, what do you think of this one? Um, I don't really like any players in the trade. Um, just especially with like Tannehill that was going against New England and then going straight into a bye. But I also don't like the Washington backfield. So I mean, it was like a 
good trade for both sides. It's just nobody that would really pertain to my interest. I feel the exact same way as to what both of you just described. Like it's an even trade. I did not particularly care for either side of the trade because those are not players that I would be targeting any any of the five really. Um, but the next trade, JC, is one that you made, which is a rare occasion. Maybe it's why you decided to come on the podcast this week, celebrate your yearly tradition of making a single trade. <laughs> but uh, you gave up Miles Sanders and got from Nick Miles Gaskin. So two miles changing hands. We'll let you go last this time, JC, since it was your own trade. Eddie, I'll let you kick off on this one. I actually like... It, 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 I'm not a huge fan of how Philly is using Miles Sanders. I think in in the recent weeks, I know statistically that they've actually been using him a little bit more than they did earlier. But in terms of fantasy, it's irrelevant. Miles Sanders really hasn't been doing too much. Um, Philly's running game has gotten better, but it necessarily hasn't really come to Miles Sanders. It, it's kind of been a split around everyone in that offense. So not a huge fan of really Miles Sanders and the way that the Eagles use him. Uh, Miles Gaskins, on the other hand, I don't mind Miles Gaskins. I was pretty high on him coming into the year. I was expecting him to do really well. Um, He wasn't performing as well as I think he should have, but over the past uh, few weeks, I mean, it it says it himself. Obviously, JC probably knew this, picking up Miles Gaskins. He's picking up a bye week, um, and I think that's probably the main thought behind this trade, really, uh, in terms of Nick is not having that bye week. They actually both um, have the same exact bye week. Oh, do they really? Yeah. Oh, Miles, so Miles Sanders was out. That's what it was. Miles Sanders was out, so I, I thought it was his bye week. From Eddie, I noticed you're starting to pick up on the Pittsburghese, calling him Miles Gaskins, even though his I, name I is know. Miles Gaskin. I know. Pittsburgh yeah. <laughs> people, like, like for example, Joe Burrow, I feel like old-time Pittsburgh people call him Joe Burrows. They, yeah. they, they just add, like, an S yeah. where there is none. So you're starting to pick up on that Pittsburghese. A little bit, yeah, a little bit. But... Overall, I like I said, I think I like Miles a little bit better. Well, they're both which Miles, which so. one? Gaskin. <laughs> <laughs> I like Gaskin better than Sanders here. So I had the same thought. I was yeah. texting a little bit back and forth with Nick after he made this trade. I prefer Miles Gaskin in this deal. I don't particularly love either one of them. Yeah. But I don't really have any love at all for Miles Sanders just because of the way that he's been used in the Philly offense. I mean, their best running back doesn't even play running back. It's Jalen Hurts, right? So I kind of yeah. compare it somewhat to the Baltimore backfield where Lamar Jackson is the best rusher on the team. And so even if the running back, like the best fantasy running back on the team is pretty good, you still have to compete with the quarterback for, you know, in the ground game. And that's not to necessarily talk up Miles Gaskin. He's been up and down himself all season. So again, not necessarily a guy that I would target. But I'm sure JC is going to tell the story. This was an offer that just popped up as an inbox in his inbox. I would have done the same thing. I would have accepted because I, I do agree. prefer Gaskin to Sanders, especially considering they both have the same upcoming bye week. JC, yeah. why don't you jump in? Um, to start off, I've done two trades uh, this year so far. This being my second. Oh, sorry, um, sorry. The first <laughs> one was with Tyler Lockett. Um, but anyways, yeah, it was in my inbox. I mean, I didn't really think too much about it because like when I drafted Miles Sanders is one of those things like the clock was ticking and I didn't put too much time into it and it was probably the only pick of the draft that I didn't like um I think I start I tried to pawn off 
um, Miles Sanders before the draft even started or like right after the draft, like before week one. But um, I, I he's a running back one on any team beside besides him being in Philadelphia because yeah. like he I does agree. not work in Philly. So I feel like if something were to happen for him, like him just being anywhere else because he has that ability, he's a super good back. So I, he's a really good player. It's just he's not being utilized as he should be in Philly. And Miles Gaskin, I mean, he had a hell of a week last week, but um, I mean, it was he was like a I think top eighteen back when I looked and it, to me it was either a wash or take a extra chance on miles gaskin and times are tough so i figured i'd just go for it times are tough in these streets <laughs> yeah yeah it's interesting with the eagles backfield i've noticed that and not not that espn projections are like the end all be all but they have like 25 running backs projected for like 5.5 points every week <laughs> it's like they don't project a leading rusher is what I've yeah. noticed with the Philadelphia backfield for ESPN. I feel like that's pretty accurate, though, considering that like you you're not going to know who the leading rusher on a week to week basis is in that backfield. Like it, it could either be literally Gainwall in one week, it could be uh, Miles in one week, it, it could be Jalen Hurts in one week. So Jordan Howard or Jordan Howard Austin exactly Scott was I think the yeah. leading rusher last week for fantasy. Yeah, so like I don't I, I just have think, some uh, have some balls project one of them for like ten points. Because they're not, they're obviously not all going to score five points. That's not how it's going to work out. Yeah, I get no. it. Like, you don't know who it's going to be, but make a call. Don't isn't, sit on the fence. Um, isn't Jalen Hurts like hurt right now? He has an ankle injury. Yeah. I think he's going to end up playing. Maybe he won't run as much. Maybe they'll we'll have hand to off see. the ball a little bit more. Yeah, they yeah, might. I mean, <laughs> Jalen Hurts rushing stats all year are kind of ridiculous. Like, he's, I think he's put up at least 30 yards every game on the ground. And over the past, like, three, four weeks, actually since like week seven, he's put up over 55 rushing yards, which that's probably been close to their leading rusher. Like, oh, I'm sure, I'm sure he's probably their leading rusher in terms of total yards. Tried to get him from Damon and Damon just didn't even want to talk. It's the hurts hurts. It's the hurts hurts thing. I just (laughs) can't even blame the guy. Yeah. That would be a team name thing if we weren't doing like cartoon theme. Oh, yeah. Hurts, hurts. Let's get into our first big trade of the week. And not necessarily that the first trade of the week wasn't big because it was by quantities uh, sake, but not necessarily as big as this next one. It was Sean giving up DeAndre Hopkins, Evan Engram, Devontae Freeman, and Latavius Murray. And then Jake giving him in return Jalen Waddle, Ramondre Stevenson, Tyler Higby, and Jamison Crowder. JC, I'll let you lead us off to kind of break down your thoughts on this first very big trade uh in the beginning of the year i got offered waddle and i just didn't want anything to do with it and now like it's something that i kind of regret uh because i love waddle now i think he's super good and honestly i think i would rather have waddle right now than hopkins just because of the injuries and then with uh evan ingram I kind of get it. I don't really know about Stevenson. Uh, I like the trade, but I really like it for Sean. Yeah, I agree, actually. Mm-hmm. I thought that Sean had less leverage at the time that this trade went through, but he still managed to get the return that I preferred of the two sides. Um, 
it certainly helps that this trade has aged the way that it has, where Jalen Waddle is now wide receiver 10, where I think he was kind of floating around wide receiver 20 when this was accepted. But even the peripheral pieces, like I would much rather have the trio of Ramondre Stevenson, Tyler Higby, and Jamison Crowder to Evan Ingram, Devontae Freeman, and Latavius Murray. I thought that it was somewhat of a wash, and I even, again, Nick and I talk quite a bit just texting throughout the week. I said to Nick that I thought that this was pretty risky of Jake, given that Jake does not have a playoff spot locked down to be taking a shot on DeAndre Hopkins. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins is awesome when he's healthy, but that's the key when he's healthy, and we don't know that he is fully healthy yet. Hamstring injuries for wide receivers in particular can be very tricky. And Jalen Waddell, it's easy to say in, in hindsight now that he can somewhat hang in that DeAndre Hopkins fully healthy tier. But even before he had the big game this past week that kind of convinced in a lot of people's mind that he's a borderline wide receiver one now for fantasy, he still was an established wide receiver two, in my opinion, when this trade went through. So I think Jake took a little bit of a risk that I don't think that I would have taken in his position. And Sean uh, benefited from it, in my opinion. I thought he got the better end of this deal. Eddie, what were your thoughts? I actually compare this deal somewhat similar to the deal that I made last year for Julio Jones. Um, it was a risky move by myself to pull in Julio Jones because he just wasn't consistently healthy all year. Um, and he had missed some games and it ended up costing me uh, towards the end of the season and into the playoffs because Julio didn't play. So it kind of cost me. I, I can kind of see the same thing happening here um, for Jake. If DeAndre Hopkins doesn't play, uh, it's a pretty big risk. It's a guy that's going to get you points. And I think Waddle, being healthy is a guy that's going to get you those points and taking that risk on Hopkins right now. Like you're not, you're not certified to get any points. I also think that Sean gave up any risk he really had going into the playoffs or any chance that he had to make playoffs. And he brought in people that are going to get him points to make playoffs. So I like Sean's side here. Our next uh, big trade of the week, which is probably our last like quote unquote big trade relative to the only other trade left afterward was one between me and Sean, where I gave up Russell Wilson, Adam Thielen, Kyle Pitts, the Vikings defense and Dontrell Hilliard and got from Sean Aaron Rodgers, Jalen Waddle, TJ Hawkinson, Christian Kirk and Michael Carter. JC, again, we're going to start with you. What were your thoughts on this this trade? I mean, the Vikings D here really just a <laughs> trade. This is the biggest um, piece in the deal, obviously. Yeah, no, but I do really like this trade. I, I think for both sides, I, I definitely got to give uh, the edge on Nate's return because I love Aaron Rodgers and uh, Waddle. And even like the little drops of Hawkinson and Kirk, I actually love Kyle Pitts. It's just I don't think like – I think he was – I projected him to do a lot more than what he's currently doing. I mean, he's, I'm pretty sure he's at like seven right now, which is still pretty good. Yeah. Um, and I'm Michael Carter. I don't think he's coming back till week 15, but I mean, that's perfect for a person like Nate that can afford to lose a game if he wanted to and be fine. Um, Got to give the edge to Nate, but I think it was a good trade overall for both sides. Eddie, go ahead and jump in. Yeah. And I, I agree there wholeheartedly. Um, again, Sean used kind of some of those pieces that he brought in uh, in, in reverse here um, and traded for a, an upgrade at wide receiver from water to Thielen. Uh, tight ends, I, I think it's a pretty close to a wash for the most part. Um, I like 
JC just said, I really would love for Kyle Pitts to to do a lot better. I mean, he's doing really well. Uh, he only has one touchdown on the season, and he's tight end seven. So I think that says pretty much what needs to be said. He's getting the targets and the attention. He's just not getting the end zone love. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, Nate, what you're bringing in with Aaron Rodgers, obviously the toe issue – it was something that people thought it was going to be a bigger issue than it really was. Obviously it's not, he's going out there and he's still playing and performing very well uh, on the other side, Russell Wilson with his throwing hand and his injury and his finger. Uh, I don't know if you guys watched the game at all. Uh, the most recent game, but you can see that Russell Wilson was just kind of overshooting some targets. He just couldn't throw anything too accurate. Um, he just didn't look comfortable or consistent out there. So I think Aaron Rodgers here is a safer play. So yeah, that's pretty much, I think. Um, so I'll start by saying I text, I've basically been in pretty consistent communication with Sean each of the last like three weeks. Um, obviously he traded away Mark Andrews to Scott two weeks ago. And then this past week he traded Deandre Hopkins away to Jake. And then he traded Aaron Rodgers away to me. It sounds like he's just selling his whole team, which to an extent he is, but he's also trying to hedge against both injuries and bye weeks. And so, obviously, I missed out on Mark Andrews. You know, that was fine. I just kind of kept tabs with Sean. Obviously, missed out on DeAndre Hopkins, who I wasn't really gunning too hard for just because I'm a little uncertain on his health. Um, but I did, even the, even after he traded those two guys away, Andrews and Hopkins, I still kind of kept tabs with Sean. Like, I didn't even really – I don't think that I even offered anything firm, but I just said, like, hey, I notice – you have Aaron Rodgers and your only defense on your roster, the Packers, on by next week. Let me know if you want to try to work something out. And I think I sent him an offer that was somewhat similar framework to this. It was smaller. I think I had Russell Wilson, Kyle Pitts, and maybe Amari Cooper for Aaron Rodgers, TJ Hawkinson, and I can't remember, maybe Jalen Waddle or Christian Kirk or something like that. I, I, I would have to go back into the text to see the details, but he didn't want to do my initial offer, whatever it was. And he texted me back maybe 30 minutes afterward and said, hey, I'm working on a counter and it's really big. So just prepare yourself. I'll reach out to you when I finalize everything. And I texted Sean after we ex accepted this trade and I told him what my thoughts were in the moment was I was kind of scared that he was going to send me something back that I had just absolutely no interest in because obviously Sean was working from a standpoint of less leverage than I was. And what I thought when he said it's a big counter offer was like, he's going to try to come for like Nick Chubb or Jonathan Taylor or Cooper cup, like JC, I know it, I'm sure Eddie too, but I know you could empathize with if somebody told you they're going to send you a big offer. Your first thought is not excitement. It's hesitancy because you know they're coming for your stars, right? Sure. But when he sent me this, this was the exact offer that he sent me. Like, I, This was accepted, unadjusted. I was floored with what he was able to put together because you guys already mentioned, it's a good return for Sean because he dishes Aaron Rodgers and gets coverage for his defense on their bye and is kind of taking wash returns. Or some, you know, in some cases, like Adam Thielen, he is still a little bit better of a wide receiver than Jalen Waddell. So he's basically covering himself. And I will say he did take a quarterback downgrade. That was the one downgrade that is obvious that he took. But other than that, he did not really take downgrades elsewhere and was able to dish the bye week. I clearly like my return. You guys have already talked about the upside of my return, so I don't think I need to comment on it. But 
This is probably my single favorite trade that I've made all season. So kudos to Sean for putting the offer together. The last trade of the week was smaller in comparison. It was Scott giving up Tyrod Taylor and Melvin Gordon and Mike giving up Elijah Moore. I'll lead us off. I don't love anybody in this trade. I was really high on Elijah Moore after the past few weeks until I saw how he played with Zach Wilson back at a quarterback for the Jets. I think that he is going to kind of die off again. Melvin Gordon's okay. Tyrod Taylor's a stream for Mike now that Tannehill's on by. So a bunch of okay pieces, fair trade. I just don't necessarily love either return. Eddie, what do you think? Yeah, I think this falls in kind of usually the basic category of, of trades that I look at, and it's usually just a need for a need. Um, and that's really how this fell into it. Uh, I think it was just um, Scott picked up Elijah Moore uh, just to pick up some wide receiver depth, and Mike picked up Tyrod to stream, and then just Melvin Gordon for some additional depth. So, again, just kind of a need for a need. JC, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with both of you uh, 100%. Um, this is also kind of like one of those trades where I don't really have interest in any of the players uh, that were swapped. Um, but kind of like what Eddie said, just piggybacking off that need for a need. So, I mean, it checks out. Zach Wilson is bad for the Jets for yes. fantasy. So they, Like everybody well, not in only that just offense. fantasy, just literally for the Jets. Well, yes, yes, he's bad <laughs> in, in general. Yeah. But like some pieces in the Jets offense were pretty decent without Zach Wilson yes. being there. Um, Corey Davis has really been the only guy that I think has been able to put up multiple games of fantasy relevance with Zach Wilson in a quarterback, but anybody else, like I don't even think Michael Carter emerged until Zach Wilson got hurt really. So I don't want to wish injury on a guy, but hopefully they bench Zach Wilson because he is just not good. I agree. Um, that's a good somewhat segue into risers and fallers. Zach Wilson's not a faller because his value has never been good, but <laughs> let's talk about uh, a quarterback, a running back and a wide receiver that have been rising lately. And then of course the same three positions who have been falling lately. I'll lead us off with my pick for riser at quarterback. JC, it's a guy on your roster, Kirk cousins, who is quarterback nine on the season. Kirk Cousins is not a sexy name due to the system that he's in, but he has been more than solid this year, sticking right around the bottom of the top 10 QBs all season. He has scored 15 points or more in eight of 11 games, and he's scored 20 points or more in six of those 11 games. So he provides a very solid floor of roughly 15 points in, let's say, three of every four games and is able to clear that nice 20-point threshold in roughly half of the games that he played. So that's about as solid as you can ask for in a quarterback of his skill set and in that run-heavy offense in particular. Uh, JC, who did you pick for your quarterback riser? My quarterback riser was Kirk Cousins. Um, Great. You don't even have to share anything. I know I that he's coming up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'll just go ahead with mine. Uh, I actually had Mac Jones as my quarterback riser. Uh, over the past three weeks, Mac Jones has averaged – approximately 17 fantasy points a game um, before that his season average was sitting anywhere around like 13 and a half to 13 points a game. Um, obviously that new new England Patriots offense is starting to get into a little bit of a rhythm. Uh, he's had six touchdowns and only one interception over the past three weeks. Um, and I think they're starting to figure something out with him over there. So I think uh, 
Mac Jones is going to kind of continue that trend and, and kind of keep moving forward into the playoffs. I hope he does. I picked him yeah. up to stream this week since I have Aaron Rodgers, who I just got on by, but he is playing the number one defense uh, against yeah. quarterbacks in the league in Buffalo. So yeah. we will see how that plays out. We're going to actually do this somewhat out of order, and I'm going to jump down to our fallers so that we can mm-hmm. go ahead and give you the flip side at the quarterback position of who we picked for faller. And JC, we'll let you kick us off this time so that none of us steal your pick for QB <laughs> faller. Thanks, man. I uh, actually had Daniel Jones, who I own in uh, our keeper league. Um, I had him like, going in pretty high, and I'm pretty sure he got all the way up to um, quarterback um, – I think it was 14 and then he like fell down and now he's almost at 20 beginning of the season he was actually at like qb like four or five yeah and very early yeah very early he had a 30 point game in like week two and yeah still was gone then something happened where in the past like i think six weeks he hasn't scored over 17 jason garrett jason garrett happened jason garrett happened It's, it feels like a lifetime ago that that happened because if you remember after week one, I think Jared Goff had a really great game and I was saying he could be a viable, you know, QB two for fantasy this season. And that has been the opposite of true this year. So that feels like it was a long time ago, but yeah, Daniel Jones, definitely a faller. Um, feels like he's been falling slowly and steadily basically all season since that first couple hot weeks, he kind of stayed afloat in the middle of the season, but definitely in the past, over the past month, he's been falling hard. Yeah. Week Eddie, five and your... six are what killed him. He had like four fantasy points, both of those weeks. So I think was... he went out with an injury in at least one of those two games. Yeah, he did. It was uh, week five. It was a Dallas game. He had a concussion. Gotcha. Eddie, who's uh, your pick for QB faller? My QB faller, uh, although he did miss some time because of an injury, it's actually Russell Wilson. Um, ever since coming back, he actually didn't do so great. He came back week 10 and he only had 5.6 fantasy points, two interceptions. Um, then the following week against Arizona, he only had eight points last week. He actually did a little bit better. He had 19 points. Um, but he's only averaging like 10 fantasy points over the last three weeks, uh, per week compared to he was averaging, I think it was about like 18 or 19, um, fantasy points or game before he kind of left with it without his injury. So, uh, obviously I think that finger issue is, is kind of bothering him. Um, but that is my, that is my faller. I had the same pick for faller Russell Wilson, who is QB 25 on the season, but since he missed time, I actually just listed his ranking in terms of points per game, which would make him QB 16. So kind of a middle of the road QB two. Yeah. Even though the numbers have been bad, like you just mentioned, Eddie, this one is less about the numbers for me, and it it has a lot more to do with just how he looks on the field. I've been watching the Seahawks games these last few weeks since I've had him on my team, and Russell Wilson has simply not looked like himself after returning from that finger surgery that he had midseason. Unfortunately for the Seattle offense, it is causing some pain and suffering for virtually everyone uh, talking about their wide receivers as they've hardly been able to get anything going for the past month. Thankfully, like you mentioned, Russ did pass for two touchdowns this past week, which is reason for optimism, but he still couldn't manage to surpass even 250 passing yards, which is something that he hasn't done since week three, which is only six games ago for him because he did miss time, but still six games is nothing to scoff at. And he hasn't thrown for more than two touchdowns since week one, which was the only such game 
out of the eight that he's played this season where he has thrown more than two touchdown passes. So Russell Wilson is definitely my pick for QB faller after kind of being regarded as a near elite QB in our draft. Let's move on to running backs. And we're of course going to start with the risers. Eddie, I'll let you lead us off. Who was your pick for running back riser? So I actually had James Connor as my riser um, over the past four or five weeks, uh, really since week 17, it was his lowest he scored in the past, in those past uh, five weeks, he had 12 points since then he had 14. Obviously he had that 40 point game, um, which is kind of a little bit of an outlier. Uh, but other than that, he scored 15 the following week and then he scored 20.9. Uh, I believe it was last week against Seattle. So I think as running backs go, I think he's been doing really well. And I think he really has a chance to, to continue kind of keeping that ball to roll for the rest of the year. So I got James Conner. That's spot. That's a good pick. That was one of the candidates that I was considering for my pick. But JC, who did you pick for running back riser? For running back riser, I had uh, Alexander Madison specifically because Cook, I'm pretty sure, is out for two two more games or till the end of season. I'm not really too sure. Um, but I think just because, like, once Dalvin Cook's out, Alexander Madison immediately becomes a running back one. Yeah, that's a good yeah. thought and definitely not an angle that I consider, but nonetheless true. Alexander Madison has been very solid when Dak, Pre- Dak Prescott, Dalvin Cook, <laughs> has been out this season. Uh, I'm kind of disappointed. I left this guy as an honorable mention because I thought one of you would definitely take him, but – and I'm not going to go in depth with him, but Leonard Fournette was my honorable mention for running back riser. He's yeah. running back five on the year. He's yeah. in the top five running backs, which is crazy to me. For a pass heavy team. Yeah. My pick for running back riser, I tried to go kind of a non-traditional route because I figured one of you guys would take Leonard Fournette. That's why I saved him as an honorable mention. Um, but my pick was Dontrell Hilliard, who is running back 75 on the year. But again... He's only played in two games because the Titans just signed him to the active roster two weeks ago after their slew of injuries and searching for their replacement for Derrick Henry. If we went by points per game, which I'm not totally sure is fair since he's only played in two games, but that's really the only way I can do this. He's running back 10. Uh, So again, went with a non-traditional pick here. Since Eddie and I recently discussed the possibility or what we concluded on was the impossibility of any fantasy relevance for running backs in the Seattle or Tennessee backfields. Well, Dontrell Hilliard has only produced since we since being activated to that Titans active roster, scoring 16.2 points in week 11 and then 18.3 points in week 12. The best part is that he's done it on both the ground and through the passing game, racking up 19 rushes for 166 yards and a touchdown, and then nine catches for 49 receiving yards over the two games that he's played so far. I think he's clearly the best fantasy option among all Titans skill players. And of course, I'm not considering Ryan Tannehill a skill player. And really the only one that I would feel good about starting right now since Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, and Julio Jones are all on injured reserve. So that's my pick for running back riser. I will turn around and give you my pick for running back faller. Guy on my team, James Robinson, who is running back 15 on the year. 
he hasn't necessarily done anything to tank his value, but he also really hasn't done anything to inspire confidence or excitement lately, which is why he's my pick for running back faller. He's been a pretty steady Eddie, no pun intended, uh, since he came back from a one-week heel injury in week nine, putting up about 14.2 points per game, which does sound pretty good. I was kind of surprised when I was calculating for this segment. But the problem is that he's been really touchdown dependent in that stretch where touchdowns have accounted for 12 of his 42.7 total points in that span. So he's going to be a curious case for me to rank in terms of our draft next year. And I'm not totally sure where I stand on my overall outlook of him, especially with Travis Etienne presumably returning healthy next season. So that was my pick for running back faller. How about you, JC? Who'd you have here? For running back fallers, I was actually juggling. Um, I, I chose David Montgomery as my biggest faller, but I, I was also contemplating with Najee, but I know that I have more faith that Najee won't actually consistently be a faller. I said that because he's only got 20 touches in the past two weeks, which is very underwhelming, especially for a Pittsburgh running back. Um, but when I looked and I kept looking and I – started looking at David Montgomery of how he shot out the gate of the year doing so well. And then ever since he's came back, he, he hasn't scored over 10 points. And that's from week nine, then they had a bye, and then against Baltimore and Detroit. And he's getting some touches. He's getting love, even receptions, but he's not scored high for fantasy owners. And I just can't see that trend changing much. Yeah, but Chicago has not been a great offense. Allen Robinson has virtually disappeared from the fantasy radar. So if you can take anything away from Allen Robinson's performance and how his season has gone, there's not necessarily a lot to be excited about with a potential turnaround for David Montgomery. So good pick there. Eddie, who did you have for running back faller? I think I had a guy very similar to, to who you chose, Nate, and I actually had Cordell Patterson. Um, in terms of his actual production, it actually hasn't seen like an insane amount of dip, and it hasn't fallen too much, but in terms of positional ranking, he's number nine running back right now. Uh, at one point, he was well, running back two or three on the year. Um, over the past few weeks, last week he actually had a pretty good game. He had 27.5 points. The week before that, he was out. Uh, the week before that, he had five points. Pretty sure he left early with an injury in that game. Um and then 19.6 and 18.2. Again, it's not anything that he's necessarily done to kind of like you mentioned, he hasn't really been helping his stock too much, but he also hasn't been hurting it a whole lot. It's just kind of been steady enough to where I think he's fallen like one positional ranking or two over the past three weeks or so, uh, just kind of gradually. Obviously him missing uh, that game versus New England kind of hurts a little bit and probably dropped them a few spots, but uh, that's who I had. That's an interesting pick. I yeah. personally disagree with that because I would love, love, love to have Cordero Patterson on my team. And I, especially after he came back from injury and put up 100 rushing yards, yeah. two touchdowns, and almost 30 receiving yards, like uh, my thought is Cordero Patterson is back. But that's an interesting outlook on it. JC, do you have any thoughts since that's been your boy all year? Yeah, I'm going to disagree with that. <laughs> no surprise that JC would disagree yeah. with the Cordero Patterson for running back faller pick, but Hey, that's the beauty of the podcast. Get to approach it from different angles. And then, like I mentioned, uh, Leonard Fournette was my honorable mention. He definitely deserves some love in this segment. He's been for me, totally out of nowhere. I did not expect Leonard Fournette to be 
like borderline fantasy relevant this year, and he's the top five running back. So wide receivers, let's talk about wide receiver risers. Eddie, why don't you lead us off with your pick? This is a guy that we actually just kind of talked about a little bit earlier, and it's actually Jalen Waddle. Um, pretty easy pick to me uh, in terms of his last like four weeks, especially his last two weeks. He's been doing really well. He's been getting more and more targets as weeks, weeks go on, um, and he's kind of been a little bit more consistent. So he's had since week nine, he had 16. Uh, week 10, it was a little bit lower. He had 10, but versus Jersey in week 11, he had 20. And last week, he had 28.7 fantasy points. Um, so he's starting to kind of heat up a little bit, and I, I kind of expect that to, to continue as the weeks go on. You call it the New York Jets jersey? Yeah, yeah I just said they're technically in jersey, <laughs> but uh, that's why I was thinking about it. Uh, I'll, I'll piggyback off of that because I did make the same pick, Jalen Waddell. Uh, he's been relevant all season long. First, it was as a flex play kind of due to the uncertainty factor of him being a rookie. Then I felt like he established himself enough to be a wide receiver too as he started to flash his ceiling in week 16, or sorry, not 16, six and seven through not just like scoring ability, but through volume as well. All the way to today, I actually think Jalen Waddell is a wide receiver one for fantasy. He has the volume, which he's averaging nine targets per game this season. He racks up the yards. He's averaging 10 yards per reception. And while he hasn't scored a ton this year, he's not completely allergic to the end zone. He does have four touchdowns on the season. And even better, it seems like Tua is kind of somewhat turning the corner as he's been a more steady source of quarterback play since returning from injury earlier this season. In fact, Tua, uh, since his return, Jalen Waddell, has averaged 18.1 points per game, which if you extrapolated that out for over a full season, that would put him at wide receiver seven. So I think I'm confident enough. I called him earlier in the episode of borderline wide receiver one. I think I would say that Jalen Waddle is a low-end wide receiver one at this point for fantasy. Extrapolate. It's a big word. It is a big word. JC, <laughs> who's your pick for wide receiver riser? Interesting enough, I, uh, I'm going to keep it short and simple. I also had Jalen Waddle. <laughs> nice. We love, here. we love convergence. Yeah. Yes. Well, maybe the listeners don't love convergence, but it obviously validates us when all three of us were thinking the same thing without having consulted one another. Let's talk about wide receiver faller. I have a funny mm -hmm. feeling that at least one of you picked the same guy as me, so I yeah. won't take the spotlight. JC, we'll pass it to you first. Who did you pick for wide receiver faller? Uh, for wide receiver faller, I had all Denver wide receivers. So Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, and uh, Kirtland Sutton. I wouldn't touch any of those guys with a 10-foot pole right now. <laughs> yeah, you paid to get rid of Cortland Sutton. Paid handsomely at the time. Now it looks like it was – well, Tyler Lockett hasn't been like amazing himself, but you weren't necessarily wrong for basically paying somebody to take Cortland Sutton. Yeah, uh, you. Re I mean, you. We were talking. You reached out to me almost every day for like a week for Sutton. Dude, this guy had to yeah. go. <laughs> G2G got to go. Yeah. yeah, I. I just think like like they 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 got bad, and then like it's like how can they get worse? Like it has gotten and then it happened worse. Like I remember yeah. there was all this hype even on Jerry Judy, especially with Nate. Like Nate Dude, was, I like Jerry was, Judy. I Jerry Judy is a good wide receiver. And he just, is, but it's yeah. Denver right now. It's like Devontae it's, Smith. Exactly. It's like they don't they don't yeah. have a quarterback. Yeah. If they got a good quarterback, Jerry Judy would be a fantasy monster. I'm so confident of that. Agreed. I feel the same with Devontae Smith. Even though, well, obviously, Hurts is a good 
he's a good wide receiver. I mean, a good uh, quarterback. But I just think that uh, they just don't use him that well. I, I don't know if you guys have seen any of the film from the game that they lost against the Giants. Smith was literally wide open on a drag route that would have won them the game. Perch just threw it to him, and he just he threw it to <laughs> Jalen Rager, and he dropped it in the end zone. So, who is your pick for wide receiver fall already? I have a funny feeling. Yeah, I think me. I think you and I probably have the same person here, and I had uh, DK Metcalf. Um, over the past three weeks, he has been horrible. Uh, he has averaged like four point six fantasy points over the last three weeks. Uh, with last week just being a horrible game for me at four targets, one catch for 13 yards and 2.3 fantasy points. Uh, obviously that can correlate pretty much directly to Russell Wilson, just not playing great football right now. Um, but I think last week was just a little bit more of an outlier because Russell Wilson actually had a decent game. He just literally did not throw Metcalf the ball. So literally, yeah, and that, that was my <laughs> pick as well. This, as you said, is basically an extension of the Russell Wilson pick for my quarterback faller. DK Metcalf was a wide receiver one all season until Russell Wilson returned after the week nine bye from his injury. Since that return, Eddie, you kind of already covered it. DK Metcalf has only managed to score 15 total points across three games, which is a total that he topped in each of his last two games before Russell Wilson's return on their own in individual games that is not combined. DK Metcalf, uh, even before though, when he was a wide receiver one, has been pretty touchdown dependent, similar to like an Adam Thielen type wide receiver. But if the Seattle offense can't score, his value is going to take a decent sized hit as he has not caught more than six passes in a game all season long. And he's only managed to top 100 receiving yards just one time in 11 games. Um, now, DK hasn't been able to score, obviously, in any of the three games that he's played since Russell Wilson's return. But take a guess how many touchdowns he has on the season. And either of you. I'm actually looking right at it, so I'm not going to Okay, guess. JC, go ahead and guess. Five. More. Eight. Yes. Eight touchdowns, and that is without scoring in any of the last three games. So that just goes to show you that, in my opinion, DK Metcalf's fantasy production is predicated on predicated on finding the end zone. So if Seattle is going to put up nine points or 15 points every single week, like they have done for a month, I think DK Metcalf's going to suffer big time. Uh, so that is your risers and fallers segment. I can't remember everyone's pick, so I'm going to ask you guys to chime in with who you pick. We're just going to do a quick recap. For quarterback risers, I picked Kirk Cousins. You guys chose Kirk Mac Cousins. Jones. Kirk Cousins for JC and Mac Jones for Eddie. For running backs, our risers, I chose Dontrell Hilliard with Leonard Fournette as my honorable mention. You guys chose Madison. And I chose Connor. Alexander Madison for JC, James Connor for Eddie. For all three of us chose Jalen Waddle. Can't forget that one. Yeah. He's definitely on his way up. Quarterback fallers. I know Eddie and I chose Russell Wilson. JC, you chose Daniel Jones. Danny Dimes. Running back fallers. I chose James Robinson. Eddie made a surprising pick with Cordero Patterson. JC, who did you pick? David Montgomery. David Montgomery. And then our last uh, position, wide receiver for the followers section. I know Eddie and I chose DK Metcalf. JC, you went with a whole group for this one. It was 
Denver wide receivers. The Denver wide receivers. So that is your risers and fallers segment brought to you by JC and his pick of an entire wide receiver group. Just Let's throw on a Denver jersey. <laughs> Show up to practice at 10 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> you got a Denver jersey. Uh, okay, so let's get into the matchup preview. Looking at week 13, our second to last regular season week. JC, lead us off and tell me who you think is the best matchup this week. I had uh best matchup. I actually had uh, two, which was Jake and Sean's, mostly just because both of them are 12 and 12. Jake and Sean do not play each other this week. I mean, they're separate matchups. Oh, okay. Because they're uh, all I was playing, about to say, that's unfortunate. They're, they're both playing people that... Like if they get upset, they're not even in it. They're opponents. Yeah. Why don't you talk about Jake's matchup with Lucas? Because I picked John's matchup. <laughs> picked whose matchup? John's with Mike. You can tell me about Jake and Lucas if you want. If you have any thoughts to share on it. Jake and I th- I'm pretty sure like Jake's gonna win. But I mean, like after I got upset by Karen, I mean at that point, I feel like, you know, it's not like Lucas's team is like absolutely trash. I mean, it, it, he's still got like Tom Brady. Um, it's got Terry, Michael Gallup, Damian Harris. So, you know, an upset's viable. It's, it could happen. Devontae Adams too, but unfortunately he's on bye this week. Yeah. Eddie, who did you have for best matchup? I actually had, uh, Kevin versus Nick. Yeah. That's I think it's going to be, yeah, I think it's going to be a really fun matchup. Uh, it has playoff implications obviously for both of them. Um, I think Nick needs to win this matchup to really hold himself up there and, and, kind of continue to contend uh, for that spot because if he loses this at all, it kind of drops him down a little bit and he kind of gets into that murky mix of like that fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth place situation, uh, which is not a place you want to be right now. Um, And then Kevin, he's in third place right now and he can very quickly lose that third place um, if he loses this week. So I think just in terms of the, the sheer implication of the standings and everything this upcoming week, I think it'll be a really fun matchup. And again, uh, head-to-head rosters, I think it's a, it's a pretty fun one on both ends. So, Yeah, that was one that I was considering. Glad that you gave some love to that matchup. Like I shared just a second ago, I picked the matchup between Mike and Sean, God of the Super Saiyans versus the Football Heads. This is probably the most non-traditional pick I've made for best matchup um, in a while since both of these teams are currently out of the playoffs. But the stakes are very high since this is virtually a winner go home matchup for both parties. Sean is currently in seventh place with a 12 and 12 record and could jump way up the standings with a two and a week, while Mike is in eighth place with an 11 and 13 record and could sneak into the playoff bracket heading into the final week of the regular season with a two and oh finish this upcoming week. Not only that, but this matchup projects to be very close. So I'm really looking forward to this one between Mike and Sean. Thing to watch for. My thing to watch for is buzzer beater trades. So after the week that we just had in terms of trading, you'd think that we would be done as a league as we head into to tomorrow night's trade deadline. However, I think the deadline kind of always brings the urge to at least sniff around in the league to see what you can find. I know others like Nick and maybe even Scott, who has been hit with some late injuries. Nick's, of course, being a lot worse, losing Christian McCaffrey for the season. Kind of crazy that we're, what, 40 minutes into recording and this is the first time we've brought that up. But there might be a little bit more urgency to make something happen and potentially something big at that, uh, especially from my brother Nick, who I know is pretty adamant on the trade lines. Uh, Eddie, what is your thing to watch for this coming week? 
think my thing to watch for is uh, Mike possibly making at least six trades tomorrow uh, before six. the deadline. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know think Mike that would be is... possible without him yeah, basically no. trading his entire roster since uh, yeah. we do twenty-four hour processing. It was uh, six was more of a, a funny theoretical number. Realistically, I'm probably looking at Mike to make probably like two or three trades. Uh, just because you know Mike, he loves his trades and trade deadline. It's a fun time for him, and especially with this team being in playoff contention, he's going to try to get as much of an edge as he possibly can. So I can kind of see this happening. I like that call, that specific yeah. call. JC, yes. what's your thing to watch for this week? I had uh, to keep an eye on two of the top three teams, which was Nate, who's won four straight, and Scott's team, who is currently becoming more vulnerable. Um mostly due to injuries. So I'm kind of intrigued just to kind of see what these two top teams also do around the league for a trade deadline. Yeah, I'm interested myself. I Spoiler alert, I don't really have any plans for the trade deadline, but I, I wouldn't rule out Scott. Like I was kind of thinking to myself today, I feel like with some late injuries cropping up for him, we might see Scott try to make a move to shore his team back up since, like you said, it's getting a little bit more vulnerable with those injuries. Let's go ahead and move into matchup predictions. First matchup of the week, we have Rolf Boy Kyron versus me, Otis and the Bell Cows. I have my team putting an end to Kyron's four-week <laughs> head-to-head winning streak. Otis and the Bell Cows. JC, who'd you pick to win this matchup? Otis and the Bell Cows. Said with confidence. Love that. Eddie, who'd you pick? I'm going to go with Otis and the Bell Cows, but uh, I'm just going to throw a little thing out there. Don't sleep on Kyron again. It could happen, but uh, I'm leading Otis here. I'm putting this man to sleep. <laughs> I can sleep <laughs> on him. Second matchup of the week, Thundercats versus the Rickus Rick. Eddie, we'll start with you. Who do you have in this matchup? The Thundercats here, although his his lineup is uh, a little bit riddled with injuries right now, and he's he's got some players, some key players, that are actually missing out this upcoming week. He has enough depth, enough, enough, wow, enough depth to uh, kind of fill some of those gaps and and have some of those players actually play this weekend and win it for them. So, Thundercats. JC, who do you pick for this matchup? I had the Thundercats. I have the Rickus Rick upsetting Scott and helping me jump to the number one uh, seed. Makes sense. So Not because of that. But I know, I know. <laughs> no, because Debo Samuel is not going to be playing this week. DeAndre Swift is not going to be playing this week. DK Metcalf has been stinking. Kyler Murray is not a shoe-in to play this week. I just think Scott has a lot going on. And Damon is nearly, I say nearly because A.J. Brown is on IR, but nearly at full strength. And I think that his team is talented enough to give Scott some trouble with all those injuries. My best matchup of the week is up next. God of the Super Saiyans versus the Football Heads. I actually have Sean busting out of... I mean, I know he busted out of it this past week, but continuing the break out of the long slump and winning this matchup versus Mike, uh, potentially ending Mike's season if he were to go 0-2. JC, who do you have winning this matchup? I have the Football Heads on this one. Eddie. I, I honestly, I have the same pick here. Um, I just, I like Sean's lineup a little bit better than Mike's um, for the most part. So that's what I'm going with. Yeah, I think it's going to be really close, but yeah, I agree. Next matchup. This was Eddie's pick for best of the week. Randy Marsh versus auto rocket. Eddie, who'd you have in this one? I'm actually taking Nick on this one. Um, his team's been pretty strong as of late and uh, I can kind of expect them to continue that trend and, and win this one. I had Randy Marsh 
for this matchup. I know uh, Nick's team is still pretty tough, even without Christian McCaffrey, but Kevin, outside of his quarterbacks, and not necessarily that his quarterbacks are completely terrible. Carson Wentz is pretty good, but his skill position players in particular are very, very good Can stack up with nearly anybody. So I lean Kevin in this matchup. JC, break the tie. Who's your pick between Kevin and Nick? Uh, to break the tie, uh, I I went with uh, Auto Rocket. Um, yes. I think the whole matchup is actually going to be pretty close. Like I'd say at least a fifteen point difference, probably at most. I think it's going to be pretty close. Sounds good. This next matchup is between the two of you: Juan Decimo Magnifico versus Scooby and the Gang. I'll lead us off. And say as much as you want to kill some dreams, Eddie. I think <laughs> JC is not going to drop two games in a row to you know another bottom two team. No offense, but I don't think that JC's going to get caught on his heels again. I pick Scooby and the gang in this one. JC, who are you picking in this matchup? I'm burying Eddie. You're burying Eddie. Eddie, I don't expect anything less than for you to pick. Me, myself, and I. <laughs> again, like I said last week, I'm here to crush some dreams, so... Let's see how this works out. And in our last matchup of the week, uh, one of the two that JC said was his best of the week, Hugh Neutron versus Penguins of Madagascar. JC, I'll let you pick first since this is one of the two that you said would be the best. Jake by a mile. By a mile, interesting. Eddie, who do you got in this one? I have Jake. I don't know if by a mile, but I I do have Jake here. I picked lucas human neutron went to get the upset in this matchup i don't think that he's really projected to necessarily even come like super close to winning but i just i just have a feeling he actually is he's only like seven points off for projection to win okay yeah but yeah i picked lucas to win this matchup pull off a surprising late season upset just for the heck of it so that'd be fun those are your matchup predictions Eddie, I'm going to kick it over to you for around the league and specifically fantasy over-unders. All right, so this upcoming week, I have uh, a running back, a wide receiver, and a quarterback for our fantasy over-unders. Starting off at the very top, obviously with the news with Dalvin Cook is going to be out a couple weeks, I have Alexander Madison versus Detroit's defense with an over-under of 20 points. Uh, Just going to throw a little tidbit in there. Anytime that he's gotten the majority of the snaps in that offense, he has scored over 20 fantasy points. So... With that JC, being said, I'll let, what do you guys choose? I'll, I'll let you kick us off. This was your running back riser. What do you think? Over 20. I also have over 20. Yeah. I think uh could have made the line a little higher here, but I was like, you know, you never know. So I also am going to take the over here. Uh, like I just said, anytime he's taken the majority of the snaps on that offense, he scored over 20 points. So that's what I have. Next, I have a DK Metcalf, who has been doing absolutely horrible. Um, I have him at 12 fantasy points over under. What do you guys have? He's playing San Francisco, who I think is a middle of the road defense, if memory yes. serves me. I wanted to pick the under, but I respect DK Metcalf too much. And I don't necessarily think that Russell Wilson has fully snapped out of it, even though he had close to a 20 point game. But I think he'll snap out of it enough to get DK Metcalf 12 points. So I chose the over here. Uh, for DK Metcalf, I too chose the over. I, th- I wouldn't be surprised if it's really close, but uh, I had to go over. I'm going to go with the under here, and I think he's probably going to be sitting anywhere between like 10 or 11 points is what my guess is for this upcoming week. So 
I just yeah, it wouldn't guess. it wouldn't surprise me if he yeah. went under. Like if this one was a tough call, so this is a good That's line. It's not like said. an over under. I would bet with confidence. Right. Yeah. Which means it was a All good right. line. <laughs> and this next one I think is a little tougher. Uh, we have Taysom Hill versus Dallas's defense uh, with an over under of eighteen points. He will be starting this upcoming week. So, what do you guys have? This- this one was not tough for me. I put in a claim for Taysom Hill, was lower in the waiver order than my brother Nick, who did get the claim on him. I'm pretty confident in saying Taysom Hill will score over 18 points this week. Uh, I have the over on 18. Dallas is a, I think I get top, top 10 defense. I think uh, OB close, but I can see Taysom Hill making some, uh, some quick plays on the field. His bread and butter is rushing. Yes. They love rushing him on the goal line. So yeah. it's going to have to get to the goal line. So uh, my, my, my choice here is most likely going to end up being uh, under. Um, I can kind of see him making some mistakes. He hasn't really started at the quarterback position. I don't think all year. I don't think he's really played at the position too much all year. So I think he's going to come back in. He's going to have to knock some rust off of himself. I, I think it'll be close. He'll probably have anywhere from 15 to 16 points. Um, but I just don't think he gets over that 18. That was your fantasy over-under. Thanks, yes. Eddie, for coming up with those. It was a good good set this week. And as I promised last week, for the first time this season, we're going to do a little player A or player B. So I chose a pair of running backs and a pair of quarterbacks to do this week. And let's jump right into it, starting with the running backs. So running back A has averaged 56 rushing yards and one rushing touchdown on 13 carries per game while also catching five passes for 32 yards on average each game. He's averaging 17.9 fantasy points per game through 12 weeks so far. Running back B is averaging 64 rushing yards, so eight more than running back A, on 18 carries, so eight more rushing yards on five more carries each game while catching the exact same amount of passes, five for the exact same amount of yards, 32 each game. So pretty interesting. Uh, He is averaging 18.2 fantasy points per game through 12 weeks. So again, quick recap. They're both rushing for around the same amount of yards. Running back A has five less carries per game on average, but does score a touchdown, whereas running back B does not on average. They're both the exact same in the passing game. And running back B has the points per game edge by 0.3. It's kind of like a skill set preference. Now, I don't even necessarily want to say a skill set preference. Maybe an efficiency preference here. But who do you guys prefer between running back A and running back B? JC, we'll start with you. Pretty good player B. Player B, can you, can you tell me why? Just specifically because of the average of points. It wasn't really like... Uh for the reception or um, carrying yards. Okay. Just going average points. I'll give Eddie the den- the benefit of the doubt to kind of basically serve up on a silver platter. Hey, what kind of player do you prefer? It seems to me like player B gets more volume, but player yes. A is more efficient with his touches. So given that they're very similar in their scoring totals, which kind of skill set do you prefer, Eddie? The, the efficiency or the volume? Player A is the efficiency, player B is the volume. I think... The volume, uh, just to kind of go off of kind of my my history with these picks, I normally go with guys that 
get a little bit more volume, have more opportunities to make bigger plays. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, they're all professionals. So you give a guy more volume, he's most likely going to end up doing a little bit better. Um, not always necessarily the case, but in this case, it is. Um, so I'm going to go with player B, and I actually have a feeling that I know who it is. But Okay, take a guess as to who I, it is. I want to say Leonard Fournette. I know that he's gotten a lot of receptions out of that backfield, um, and he's been rushing it really well. So that's my guess. Leonard Fournette is player A. A. Player A. Any guesses between the two of you as to who player B is? I honestly have no idea. Volume. Najee. No. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I was about to, yeah. Yes. Was, that was that was my second guess there. So Najee Harris, who you guys both picked, is running back four on the year, and Leonard Fournette is running back five. My Very pick close. stays true to what I'd actually pick if I knew who the players were too. So same. Yeah. Sure. Najee is death by volume for sure. Like he just yeah. gets so many touches that his floor is very high. I think it's like a four net and not a four net case, like a Henry case. He's going to get the ball so much that he's going to score points. So sure. Yeah. So that's your running back player A or player B. Let's, let's move into the quarterback duo. Quarterback A is averaging 291 passing yards with two passing touchdowns and one interception per game while also averaging 22 rushing yards on four carries per game. And this player has a 25 to 11 touchdown to interception ratio and is averaging 20.9 fantasy points per game through 12 weeks. Player B is averaging 203 passing yards with one passing touchdown and one interception per game while averaging 58 rushing yards and one rushing touchdown per game on 10 carries each game. This player has a 13 to eight touchdown to interception ratio and has averaged 21.2 fantasy points per game this season. So player A has about 90 more passing yards each game and a passing touchdown more each game, but averages 35 less rushing yards and does not score on average through the ground each game like player B does. Obviously, their touchdown to interception ratios are very different, 25 to 11 for quarterback A, 13 to 8 for B, but their points per game you know, average is very close. I'm guessing that you'll be able to guess who these quarterbacks are once you guys make your picks, but who do you prefer between quarterback A, the passer, and quarterback B, the rusher? Eddie, I'll ask you first. I think uh, for me, in terms of when it comes to quarterbacks, I'm always going to take efficiency over volume. In any case, obviously, this isn't like an efficiency over volume case, but QB1 or A is obviously a little bit more efficient with his passing, um, more passing yards, more touchdowns, his touchdown interception ratios much better. Um, so I'm going to take A. JC, how about you? I really want to take B, but I feel like I like look at my quarterbacks I have now. Like I for surely always go with A. So I'm going to stay with my gut with A for sure. Quarterback B is the number two overall quarterback in fantasy football this year. Quarterback A is quarterback five. So it's Hurts, right? Yeah. Jalen Hurts is quarterback B. And who's A? Don't look at it. I'm not. Allen? Josh Allen? No, Josh Allen's number one. Is he number one? Uh, he's QB five on the year, JC. So Patrick Mahomes. 
It is Patty Momo. So interestingly enough, I was kind of stealing, uh, not the, not the notes, but like the format of the notes that I set up for the segment from an episode that we did last year. And funny enough, the segment that I pulled had Patrick Mahomes versus Kyler Murray. And I did not have to do hardly. I mean, I had to change all the numbers, but they were very close to what they were last year. Patrick Mahomes up against his own numbers from last year and Jalen Hurts' numbers this year compared to Kyler Murray's numbers last year. So that was really interesting. I think Kyler Murray's touchdown to interception ratio was like 15 to seven versus Jalen Hurts is like 13 to eight. But I did it roughly at the same point in the season. And Jalen Hurts and Kyler Murray this year to last year were very, very comparable. And Patrick Mahomes has been a model of consistency. His numbers were very comparable to his own last year as well. Even though he's having a a down year for Patrick Mahomes, because if you compare Mm -hmm. it to past seasons, it's still efficiency is insane. Like a 25 to 11 uh, touchdown interception ratio is still very good. So yeah, he's definitely settled down from being at one point tied or if not having the sole lead for most interceptions thrown in the NFL. Yeah. Which by the way, not, this doesn't relate to Patrick Mahomes, but that Jalen hurts first round value pick that I made at the beginning of the year, it's looking pretty good. <laughs> QB two solid. on the year. I just I I, w- I didn't believe because as a Giants fan, I just don't want to believe on any Eagles. But it was a uh... he was a risk, and and I mean the way that he plays, thirteen touchdowns passing to eight interceptions, he still kind of is a risk because like you have a situation that pops up like the current one that he's in where he has a hurt ankle. If he can't run, like he's basically throwing for two hundred yards, one passing touchdown, and one interception per game. If he only rushes for 20 yards and no touchdowns like Patrick Mahomes because he's limited due to an ankle injury. He's probably a low end QB two. You know what I mean? Like he's definitely not yeah. a top two quarterback anymore. That's his that's, rushing floor really just sets it all for him. It's like if Michael Vick was your fantasy quarterback, it's like, all right, his legs are, are really what's helping you. And even, right. with, even Lamar Jackson is kind of in that same boat. Not as much. I think Lamar Jackson can actually throw the ball pretty well, but. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if he can work through this ankle injury and still be, you know, a top three quarterback. But he does have an upcoming bye week to rest it if it's nothing too serious. News and notes. Finally, we're kind of getting to the end of this episode. Let's finally give some space to talk about the number one draft pick this past year, the guy who is now out for the season for the second year in a row, Christian McCaffrey who rolled his ankle on Sunday and was placed on IR for the second time this season, which again ends his season per NFL rules. First question I have for you guys, how badly does this hurt Nick's team? JC, I'll ask you first. I think it hurts him tremendously. It's a, like a first-round pick right there. I mean, that initially, no matter who it is, it's going to hurt you just because of the pick of value. But, I mean, Christian McCaffrey, I mean, that's like a centerpiece that would be for any team. So I think working around it, I think he's done very well in, but uh, I don't think it's over. You know, it's still like obstacles along the way, not having him. Yep. Eddie, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. Uh, while he does have Chuba, it's not anything that's going to help him too much, I think. So I think losing Christian McCaffrey, whose who's floor is, is usually going to be high to mid-teens, if that, um, that hurts. So 
Yeah, there's only a handful of players that are truly irreplaceable in fantasy. Christian McCaffrey is definitely one of them. Although, I think, and we're actually going to get to this, so I shouldn't spoil too much, but I think you almost have to bake the possibility of having to replace him into his draft price moving forward, um, which is interesting. Next question I have, can Chuba be more than a flex play as Carolina's starting running back? So obviously last year when CMC got hurt, Mike Davis was a bona fide running back one for fantasy. Chuba Hubbard has not been uh, a running back one for fantasy when CMC has been out this year. Do you guys think that that can change and that he can be more than basically a flex play now that CMC's out the rest of the season? Eddie, I'll ask you first. I think so. Um, I, I don't know what their quarterback situation is going like because Cam obviously got benched last week. Um, after kind of a bad game, I, I think having Cam on the field could help him a little bit. Um, but I just, I, I want to say yes, just because I'm thinking of to what Mike Davis did. And I was like, if Mike Davis can do it, Chuba Hubbard should be able to do it, but he just hasn't proven that. So as of right now, to be honest, it, as much as I want to say, yes, I, I'm just going to stick with no. And it's probably just going to stick as a flex play for me. JC, do you agree? Disagree? Have any other thoughts? I agree. I don't, I don't think he's the guy. Yeah, I fall in the same boat. Like, I, of course, if he was like on waivers at this point, which in this league, obviously he's not, um, and wouldn't be because of how many savvy fantasy managers we have in our league. But let's say in any other given league, if he was just hanging out there on waivers, I would definitely put a claim in on him, but not necessarily because I'm excited to like get this guy and plug him into my lineup. But just kind of for like the what if factor, what if he does turn into something more than relevant and becomes a solid source of production each week? But it's mostly because of the what if and not because I'd be excited to play him. So I kind of fall into the same boat as you two. Let's talk more about CMC himself. When is the earliest that you can see him going in our draft next year? Give me a specific pick, JC. The earliest? Um... Yep. Real it like realistically the earliest. I'm not saying that you could justify taking him. I'm saying knowing the group of the twelve of us who play together, when do you think is the earliest you can see him going? I still think he he could go top top four at least. I I wouldn't take him, but that's where I can see our group going with it. Do so you think number four would be the earliest? Yeah. Okay, Eddie, what do you think? I think that someone in this team, depending on who got the number one overall pick, could prop is probably would take him at number one. Um, I don't, I don't want to say like specific names or anything, but I just know that there's a couple managers in this league that would take CMC at number one next year. So, I think that I, well, I have my opinion on it, but then there's obviously like the question that I phrased to you: What do I think that others would potentially do? Yeah, I'll say five to not say the same thing as JC. I would heavily caution against taking CMC before the fifth pick. I don't even think that he should go that high personally. But for anybody who's listening, if you have a top five pick next year, I certainly would not use it on CMC. I think that that's gambling your season right off the, you know, right from the very first 30 seconds. (laughs) I think it's very similar to the Saquon pick this past year. Um, it's just not, they just haven't proven the consistency to be able to stay healthy. So I think if there's healthier options, which there are in the top five picks, I would take them. So I just, I can see individuals taking him at number one. What I 
no. I, I don't even know if I'd take CMC in the first round next year, if I'm going to be honest. But I'll tell yeah. you what, though. It would be a smart pick at, say, four or five to take CMC if you like trading a lot. Because oh, if he has yeah. two CMC games where he's putting up 28 points per game, you'll be, able to sell, you'll be able to sell him like he's a number one overall pick. Oh my but God. If, you're, if you're a JC or a Kevin who trade once or twice a year, you're, I think that you're nearly tanking your season if you're taking CMC because you know you're not going to trade him. Yeah. Um, so you basically are saying, I am betting on the health of Christian McCaffrey for the entire season, which I think is pretty dangerous at this point. Yeah, I think Kevin had a small window with Saquon. He had like two games back-to-back 20s, and it, like that's the window. After that, hasn't done much. I feel like that's that's the window that you might get with CMC next year if he can't stay healthy. So, When's the latest that you guys can see him going? I know it, it might feel like it's the same question, but let's just say – you know, what's the downside, quote unquote, for our draft purposes? How late could you see him falling, given that we saw Patrick Mahomes fall yeah. to number eight this year? I I honestly, the latest I could see him really going, uh, probably anywhere around like nine, nine, ten. Probably the latest I could see him dropping. I think at that point, obviously, the reality of it's Christian McCaffrey kind of kicks in if he's anywhere around like seven, eight, nine. Um, so anywhere around that area, it's it's a Somewhat of a risky pick, but I still think it has some sort of value to those managers. So I don't think there's any way he goes past nine hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm with you guys. Like I think that if it was like I said, a a manager who was planning to hold Christian McCaffrey, then I would not spend my first round pick on him, no matter where in the first round it was. Like if if the if the stakes were you were drafting this player to hold him all season. I'm just not using my first round pick on him. Given that that's not the case and that you can trade, I agree. I think anywhere in the back end of the first round is perfectly fine for him. And and I will say this. If you have the turn and you're at 12 and then 2.1 in the next one. You take that. I think you take it because you can obviously get yourself a number one running back that's going to be healthy around that period. And I think you can afford to kind of take the chance on CMC there just because you'll have that backup. So. That's I don't think where, that he gets to the end of the first. I, yeah, like, I, don't I don't think, think he's going to get there. The turn, yeah. but I don't think he's going to get there. It, but if you have that turn and he's right. there, I think that's like a really good spot to be. Yeah, I agree. Uh, next piece of news: 49ers wide receiver Debo Samuel strained his groin, and Lions running back DeAndre Swift strained his shoulder this past week. Debo is expected to miss one to two weeks per Kyle Shanahan, and Swift is expected to miss at least one game per Dan Campbell. I did see earlier today after I kind of wrote this prep that it might be a multi-game absence for Swift. Not totally sure about that. Just saw the headline. Do you guys think that Scott is going to keep the number one seed locked up without the help of these guys over at least this upcoming week, but but potentially the next two weeks, which is just the remainder of our regular season? JC, I'll kick it to you first since you've been up there in the company with Scott over the past month or so. Yeah, I uh, I don't think so. I, I think it's like he can, like it's definitely edible and he has the backup to do it. But uh, I mean, those are two very, very big components in the team. And I think not having them, like I said earlier, creates vulnerability. Eddie, what do you think? It's going to be a tough one uh, because the both of you have some very, very similar schedules to close off the year. I think yours is a, a little bit easier than his uh, considering that you play myself next week and then you play Kyron this week I think Scott's biggest obstacle 
is this week versus Damon. Um, if he can find a way to pull it off against Damon this week, I do think he'll be okay. I think he'll be able to hold it. Um, but again, I think this week's probably the biggest issue with him. Um, so I, I think it'll be up in the air. I don't think it will be decided this week, but it, it could happen that he can lose that spot. Are these injuries something that you would worry about if these two were on your team about it lingering during the fantasy playoffs? Like Scott is most likely going to have a first round bye, so he really only has to worry about, you know, basically three to four weeks from now having these yeah. guys back and healthy. But you never know. Maybe they return both of these guys next week or the week after, and then they. I'm not saying it'll happen, but they could get re-injured. Is this something that's on your mind if these two are on your roster heading into the playoffs, Eddie? Oh, yeah. I think easily. I think the one that worries me the most is Debo, just because of his injury history before. It's usually leg injuries that he has problems with. So him getting a strained groin, to me, scares me more than DeAndre Swift's injury. So, yeah, it's something I'll definitely, I'd definitely be thinking about. JC, what do you think? Would you brush these off, or would you like seriously be thinking i don't want to say like thinking about trading these guys since our trade deadline is tomorrow but would the thought creep into your mind at all because of the injuries uh i think scott like with scott's position he can afford to lose and still be okay like you don't have to be the number one seed like yeah it's great but like he scott can afford to lose and if i was in scott's position i'm hanging on um i would still like put them on a block maybe see what i can get but like I think anytime one of my players get hurt, like I go to my girlfriend who's in nursing and just like go through like the actual, like how bad these injuries can be. And I know like even like with groins and stuff, it really, it's like position dependent, but with Debo, like that could be really scary. If that yeah. was on DeAndre Swift, I don't think like he, he'd be so limited um, just because of how much work DeAndre Swift would get um, comparing to the injury. Um, so if I, in Scott's position, like I'm hanging on. Uh, I think he'll be fine because he can afford to lose. If say that was my team, I or anybody in the hunt, like you'd really have to clinch up, clinch the cheeks. Exactly. Yeah, and 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 even if he loses that number one, to be honest, and looking at kind of some of those matchups, it's the matchups for the playoffs right now are pretty even across the boards, regardless if he takes number one or number two. Obviously, he's getting a buy, so it doesn't really matter at that point, but the matchups he's going to have with either four or five or six from six to three, it'll be, uh, I think they will be pretty evenly matched across the board. So where I think that the number one seed is advantageous, which this is a somewhat overlooked aspect of being the number one seed in my opinion, but it depends on which teams end up actually finishing in these spots, but you're on the opposite side of the bracket of the number two and three seeds. So I do think that the number one seed is still advantageous given that the second and third best teams in the league have to stay in the same side of the playoff bracket, you know, opposite of the number one seed. Yeah. But again, it's not a killer for Scott if he, you know, is the number two seed. He still has the bye. Third third seed team still has to play in round one and could get upset. And our third through six seed teams are not like you said, Eddie, yeah. the top teams you expected them to continue to separate themselves. It seems like at this point that it's kind of like one, two, and then there's somewhat of a gap between those two teams and then like the three through basically the nine. Yeah. So it's not as big of a deal as I thought it was going to be. Like, say, two weeks ago, it was looking like me, Scott, and JC were like 
really in a, a class of our own as far as from the rest of the league. And I thought, man, that one seed is going to be lucky that they don't have to deal with the other two teams at the top being in their side of the bracket. But now it's not necessarily seeming like as big of an advantage since there's somewhat of a blend from three to, let's call it seven or eight. Yeah. Agreed. Next piece of news, the Cowboys are considering limiting Ezekiel Elliott's workload moving forward as he continues to work through a knee injury. So I'm going to frame this question a little bit of an interesting way. Who is this news more impactful to? Mike, who holds Ezekiel Elliott, or Kevin, who holds Tony Pollard? JC, I'll ask you first. Uh, I go with Kevin, who holds Tony Pollard, simply because... T- Tony Pollard's good. I mean, I think we <laughs> witnessed so that like just in the past week. Like this guy can run. This guy is super good, and they're going to utilize him in many ways. And if like they're Tony Pollard, the only thing wrong with him right now is he's not getting every look on the ground. And I think taking some away of Ezekiel Elliott's share and giving it to Tony um, is very good for Kevin, and it, yeah, probably pretty bad for Mike, obviously. Yeah, Anything I, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, I think Tony Pollard is what I expected Naeem Hines to be this year, which he didn't turn out to be. Um, I think he's doing really well in that position. And when he gets the touches, he's insane. He's ridiculously fast. I don't know if you guys have ever watched him like actually play, but the dude is fast. See the touchdown return? Oh, my God. He exactly. moves. So I think, to me, I think Kevin easily is like ecstatic right now just because Pollard will actually be a very good flex option at this point, and he will get you the points that you need. So, Agreed. Do you guys think that this is more of a one- to two-week thing for Zeke, or do you get the vibe that this will last for the rest of the season? I think rest of the season. I don't, I don't think you play with Zeke's health too much. If Tony Pollard can do the job, I think you go running back by committee, like a committee backfield, and, and split them both. JC, agree? Yeah, 100%. I I agree, too, because Tony Pollard has shown himself to be not just capable, but like JC said, he's a good running back. So why risk the health of the running back that you paid a lot of money to when you could get just as good of production and preserve the health a little bit more of your expensive running back? So uh, if they were you know, in a situation where they basically had nobody besides a warm body behind Zeke, I would think maybe it's a one to two week thing where they try to take the load off of him. Given that they have Tony Pollard behind him, I think maybe that they just, like Eddie said, go running back by committee a little bit more for the rest of the season. Last thing I just wanted to mention, really, we don't, we're not, we don't have any discussion planned for this, but it is news and it is a good player at that. Uh, Dalvin Cook hurt his shoulder on Sunday, which the media is calling a torn labrum despite head coach Mike Zimmer refusing to call it that. So a little bit confusing. JC, I, I heard you say earlier, you don't know if he's going to be out for like two weeks or the rest of the regular season. Uh, neither do I. Neither does anybody, I think, at this point. Um, not much impact for our purposes in the fantasy league since Eddie rosters the entire Minnesota backfield. But it is worth mentioning because Dalvin Cook was a top three pick. He's been a fantasy superstar for the last number of seasons. And he's so fun to watch. Like, I didn't own – I owned Dalvin Cook last year. Loved it. I would have tried to own him again this year. But just watching the guy play, him and, like, Justin Jefferson on the Vikings, it's the only reason I'll tune in to, like, one of those games, mm-hmm. especially for Cook and just watching him run. So, I really do hope that he actually comes back. Yeah, and I – 
with Dalvin Cook coming out of college, I actually wasn't a huge Dalvin Cook fan. Um, I just, there was something about him that I just really didn't like. And I kind of took the leap this year and I was like, you know what? You did really well last year. Take the leap this year and kind of take him. I think I cursed him because this was his worst fantasy year by far. Um, he did not do very well. Um, and obviously injuries have been an issue. So again, I, I think like you mentioned, nobody knows how long he's going to be out. I honestly don't expect him to come back this year, but we'll see. Yeah, that's that's a wrap on news and notes. JC, I don't know if you have anything to add or to share before. I'm, I'm assuming that unless you make it to the championship, that this might be your last time, as, at least as a guest host. Maybe we'll do some recorded clips similar to how we did in the Fantasy Baseball podcast of teams that are still alive late in the playoffs. But maybe as a guest, this could potentially be your last for the season. Do you have anything to share? Uh, yeah, I mean... I think we should keep this league going. It's really fun. Um, also, just wanted to say that uh, Najee, uh, Galladay, Kelsey, Lockett, and Mike Evans and Waller are on the board, and uh, that's it. On the block. You on heard it here block. first. Oh, yeah. All players on the block, but will not be traded tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh... <laughs> All right. But, yeah, uh, appreciate it again, JC. Thank you for coming on. Um, Again, it's always fun when we have a guest on here and you always do really well when you come on here. So we really appreciate it. Uh, with that being said, I have nothing additional to say. Nate, do you have anything additional to say? I do not. All right. Well, thank you everyone for tuning into this week's episode. Have a great day. Baba Booey. <laughs>